You're listening to episode 31 of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up with personal brand and freedom stylist, Elizabeth Hartke. Each week, Elizabeth brings you the tools you need to create a life of true freedom and fulfillment by scaling and monetizing your personal brand. Get clarity, become a leader in your field, and make an impact that pays. Grab your favorite healthy smoothie or beer, and let's get to the show. We are so blessed to have today's guest on. And if you're someone ready to take their side hustle or your small business next level, but you're not really sure when to take that leap, today's guest is going to help you make some moves. Dr. Courtney Baker is an award-winning entrepreneur. She's totally my cup of tea. You're going to love her on today's episode. She's also a podcast host of Women in Business, Inspirational Stories of Women Entrepreneurs. She's a TEDx speaker and a nationally recognized authority on women's leadership. And we get to dive into leadership on today's episode. And I think it's going to be so incredibly helpful for those of you who are truly ready to scale up. She is also a busy mama of three and her journey in motherhood started a little sooner than she anticipated when she became a teen mom who had to navigate as a single mother for a while. And her story she shares today, it will just speak to your soul how she lifted herself up from the bootstraps, had a vision, had a mission, and just went after it. She's been featured on Fox News and Forbes, iHeartRadio, Huffington Post. You possibly have seen her out there already, but today you're going to get the behind the scenes of Dr. Courtney Baker. You're going to learn so much about her struggles in her health and some of the things she's had to overcome, some of the wake-up calls she's had in her life, but also how she has built a multi-million dollar organization. She is the CEO of Kids Care Home Health, and it's a healthcare organization with 12 locations across multiple states, and it is making such a huge impact on children with different special needs. She was Texas Businesswoman of the Year. I could go on for days about her accomplishments, but I want to get to the show because, I don't know, today's episode, I got goosebumps more than once. She is incredible. And you are going to love everything in today's episode. All right. So today we have Dr. Courtney Baker on the show. And Courtney, I'm so thrilled to have you on Scaling Up. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I already know that this episode is going to have such an impact on our listeners today because they're going to be inspired into action. I can just feel it in the bit I know about you and in talking to you a little bit. I just, your journey to get here, it wasn't linear and it wasn't perfect. And I think that's really going to inspire a lot of people when they hear more about it. And, you know, hearing about your story, how you were starting your own business and didn't have a lot of money to do it. And you were having a baby. Just, there are so many things about your story that I think are going to be really speak to so many different people in our audience. So, uh, will you tell us a little bit more about just you? Like, what brought you to where you are today? What did that path look like? So you're right. It was not linear at all. It was actually a very bumpy road. So I started my adult journey as a single teenage mom when I was six months out of high school. So I had my son at 19 and all my friends were going off to college and I was going to the Medicaid and the food stamps office and grew up really fast. I was waiting tables, double shifts, and 
it was, it was hard. And then uh, fast forward through a failed marriage to, and, and a move out of state and put myself through college in undergrad and grad school in speech pathology in Illinois. And then I decided I really needed to move home near people who supported me because I was still a single teen or a single mom at that point. And had started dating this amazing guy in college. And he said, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm moving back to Texas. I don't know about you. So he was like, okay, let's pack up. And so we moved back to Texas and I started a job as a speech pathologist in the school district and worked for about one year and absolutely hated everything that I did. Then I started doing pediatric home health care, which is basically home health for kids. So we would go to each individual kid's house and do therapy. And I loved what I did, but I didn't love who I did it for. I was really in a position where I was undervalued and unappreciated, but everyone was there. We were told pretty openly that if we didn't like our job, we could leave and that all employees were replaceable. So pretty newly married. I was pregnant at the time. I was about four months pregnant and decided pretty much I could do this shit myself. And so that's what I did and started my own company in 2003. We opened the doors October 27th, 2003. And it was me with 10 patients and a whole lot of credit card debt and a prayer. And today that company is almost, this year it'll be 16 years old. We have about 550 employees and we are operational in 12 cities in three states, all over Texas, Colorado, and Idaho. That's amazing. I feel like there's so much wisdom in your experiences. And so this is kids care, home health, right? And I feel like a lot of people listening in, you know, they have their, their little side hustle and they want to turn it into something bigger. Well, your vision has gotten huge. I mean, this business, it's no small business. It's a multi-million dollar business operating in 12 cities. Can you take us back to that moment when you were still working for somebody else and that conception of the idea of doing this on your own came to be what happened next? Like, how did you get from there to here? So it was right after September 11th and the economy was in the toilet and my husband had been laid off and he, during his daytime hours, was looking online for a healthcare consultant for me to find because I had no idea where to begin. And I actually, I had a partner when I started and she and I'd known each other for about four, maybe five months. So very, very, very short time for a business partner. And we went to the office of the, of the consultant and he told us three times, you're crazy, don't do it. And I pretty much on the last time said, thank you. Do you want the job or not? Because I'm going to do this regardless. You know, when you're 28, you know everything and you have nerves of steel. And I thought, what do I have to lose? And at that point, I could have gone to another place and worked somewhere else. But I really started thinking about it. And I thought, you know, 
I don't want to be an undervalued employee for the rest of my life. And I can continue to go somewhere else, somewhere else, somewhere else, but that's not going to solve the root issue. And the root issue is I'm worth more. And the only place that I know that I can be treated where I want to be valued and respected is my own company. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, if I could just open a company where people feel valued and respected, the success will come. And it has, it really, truly has. So finally, the uh, <laughs> the consultant realized I wasn't going to go away. So I don't know if it was pity or what his reasoning, but he finally was like, all right, I'll help you. So he did. He helped us go through the process of getting set up. And we were incorporated in February of 2003. And then just, I took a week off for maternity leave when my daughter was born on July 1st and hustled. And then we opened October 27th. That's incredible. And there are so many things. Okay. I want to stay here for a sec because there were so many things you said that I just want to unpack a little bit. One of them being that you took a week off for maternity leave. I think a week and a half, that half a week, that counts. (laughs) I think people so often forget that that road to your dream and building this amazing business that's impacting so many lives, it isn't always glamorous. And it isn't like when you're steering that ship, you're not just watching all your people do the work while you sit back and do nothing. You are steering the ship. You are up there going to bat for this business and for this dream. And if people aren't willing to pull up those overalls and those boots and get them dirty, maybe taking that step into what you think is going to be your dream isn't the right thing for you because it's going to lead to some disappointment. I love that you were willing to get in there. Not that I'm recommending women take a week and a half for maternity leave, but you were at a stage that that was kind of what you were facing and you made some choices and and did it. And I would imagine now 16 years into it that you have so much more quality time with your children because of those sacrifices you made back in the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, my daughter's about to be 16 and you know, it's funny because the company has been another baby that I've Mm -hmm. had and you know, the growing pains of watching it grow up and then watching her grow up. But I think it's also having two daughters. I have a son who's now 25, but having two daughters who see me living my dreams, what better legacy could I have for them? Right. Exactly. It's a, that example that they know that they can go out there and make any impact on the world that they want to, if they're willing to put in the effort because they saw their mother do it. And there were times, it was not easy. I mean, mm-hmm. my husband worked the night shift at a warehouse because he finally got a job that had benefits and we were pregnant, you know, when, when that happened. And he would come home after working the night shift and I would have the covers over my head and he would come in and he would pull them off on Friday morning and he would say, get up. If it was easy, everyone would do it. You got a job to do and people are waiting on you. And he was my biggest supporter. Yeah. And that's a huge piece too, is so often spouses aren't quick to believe in their spouse for whatever reason. Maybe it's out of fear of them getting hurt. So it's coming from a loving place. And other times maybe it's not coming from a loving place. They're watching their 
spouse advance in their life where maybe they're not advancing in their own life or taking those leaps that they really want to take that are on their heart, but they're just not willing to do it. So having that and having him have your back, I'm sure was made a world of difference. But I also gather from you when you said that that consultant was like, you shouldn't do it. And then you went and did it anyway, that you probably would have done it with or without anyone's support because this was a, a mission for you. It really was. And my husband knows when I get something on my head and on my heart that you got two choices. You could stand in my way or stand beside me. And he chose to stand beside me. But I think so many women go to maybe their spouses or significant others and say, well, this is what I really want to do, but they don't sound convincing. And so maybe that's why they don't get the support they want because they're not even convinced themselves. Mm-hmm. So, And that was one thing, like when I set my mind to it, come hell or high water, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing you'd mentioned, I mean, the fact that you went into business, you weren't focused on the bottom line. You weren't leaving that corporate position or, or working for another company because you wanted to go necessarily make more money. You followed the passion. You followed the vision and the income and the money and the growth follows that. And I think so many times people flip it on their head and they say, okay, what's something I can do that will make me money? And the focus is on the money. And as a result, they end up continuing to be unfulfilled, unhappy, because that's not what's going to fulfill you. But if you go all in on that vision and that passion, and like, look at what you do now with this business, you're impacting so many children's lives who desperately need this kind of care. Now you're going to be rewarded for that, whether it's Financially or otherwise, you have wealth, and wealth means so much more than the amount of dollars in your bank account. So it's just such a powerful, powerful lesson. And I think it's something that people take for granted and don't approach it from the right angle sometimes. Yeah, and I agree. I always say don't start a business to follow your passion, start a business to solve a problem that pisses you off. Yes. The problem that pissed me off was the fact that. People weren't being treated right. And what did I want to do to solve that problem? And it was start my own company. So can you tell us a little more? I'm just, I've read about Kids Care Home Health, and I think it's an incredible company doing amazing things. But just give us a little quick blurb on what exactly you guys do and who you do it for. So we provide speech, physical, occupational therapy services, and nursing services to little kids with disabilities. So Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, traumatic brain injury, autism, you name it. And we go to their homes in their familiar environment and provide therapy services for them. That's a beautiful thing. And it's an underserved part of our society sometimes. So you guys are filling that gap and that gap that once pissed you off is now being taken care of by you. And I love that. Let's talk about what mistakes do you see people in entrepreneurship making today? Like that have this side hustle, have this vision, this dream, whatever it is, where are they going wrong? Why aren't they able to do what you did? A lot of times I think that we fold way too early. We face those hard times and when you don't have the support, then you just kind of pack it up and you give up. And I have this analogy. We always hear this this phrase, light at the end of the tunnel. But if you think about that tunnel, it gets darkest when you're in the middle. But in the middle, you're the same distance from where you were to where you're going, but you don't realize it. 
And so you go back to what's familiar, not realizing you're the same distance to the light. So if you just keep going and keep your nose down, you can reach the light if you just keep pursuing your goal or the light at the end of the tunnel. So there's that. And then there's also not having a firm grasp on your financials and knowing the heartbeat of your company is really your financials and knowing your customers. Yeah, you can't lean back on that. I'm an example of that in that I am not a numbers person. I don't like to go through our numbers, our books, but I also know in order to run a business, you have to be doing those things. There are certain areas and arms of your of your business or your company that have to be nurtured either by you or someone else leading that, And but you have to at least be in the know. So I, I totally agree with that. Was there a point where you were doing both running your own business and also still working for somebody else? There was. The reason I took a week and a half off for maternity leave is because I was still working for that company and that was my day job. And then at night I would come home and I'd write the policies and the procedures and the admissions paperwork and doing all the things to get us open for business. So yeah, I mean, it was definitely... I can't even call it a side hustle. It was a two full-time hustles. Yes. Yeah. And you know, it's funny you say that because side hustle is another one of those phrases. You're, it's like a buzz phrase. You're hearing a lot. But I remember that too. Like in the beginning, it starts as that. But then once you get to a place where you're like, okay, I'm all in on this thing. When I would kind of look at my calendar by the end of a seven-day week, I was putting more hours into my business than I was my full-time, you know, 40 plus hour a week job, which was actually a lot more hours than that because I just worked a lot of hours and I had a really long commute. So I think that's like the tipping point. Like once you kind of start matching your hours, you, you see like, okay, I'm committed to this thing. And at some point, if I'm doing things correctly, or at least learning from the mistakes I'm making, I'm going to be able to take that leap and just dive fully into my business and it's no longer going to be a side gig. What had to happen for you financially, emotionally, in terms of leadership to say, okay, it's go time. I'm giving my notice and I'm fully committed to my, my vision. I was never partially committed to the vision once the company that I worked for in February of 2003, there was a huge ice storm in Dallas. And I... If I didn't work, I didn't get paid. And so me and the truckers hit the roadways to brave, you know, the apocalypse because the entire South shuts down when anything falls from the sky. And I went to work and the company that I worked for didn't run payroll that week. And so they weren't going to pay me until the following week. And I had my first mortgage coming out of my bank account. And back then, you know, you wrote checks. And so the check was going to clear or were not going to clear because I didn't have enough money in my account. And I asked them and they said, oh, too bad you didn't get your paperwork in on time. And I just thought, you know what? This is it. This is it. And the biggest thing I was waiting for, though, was clearance from the insurance companies to be able to bill. So once I got that at the end of October, I submitted my notice that day 
I didn't even, I would not advise this, but I didn't even give him a two weeks. I was just like, there you go. uh, It was on a Friday and I opened on a Monday. Wow. And how did that feel giving that notice? Oh my God. It was amazing until two days later when I got a little paperwork in the mail from them. Yeah, that was its own fun (laughs) little project. But yeah, it was, Oh, that it was hard. I mean, we we dealt with that. I dealt with issues with my partner. There was a lot, a lot that went on in the first two years of owning the business. But at that point, my husband never told me this, but he was so supportive because if he wasn't, then he knew that I was probably going to fold and we would have had to file bankruptcy because it was like, you know, he knew we financially had really dug ourselves into, I mean, I was putting payroll on credit cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he just kept supporting me with a smile on his face thinking, Oh my God, <laughs> back, you know, but we did it. We finally figured it out. Then right when everything got resolved, I had a pulmonary embolism that landed me in the hospital. And that was in 2005. Wow. And at that point, I was like, you know, we're the company's actually doing pretty good. So I need you to quit your job, quit your passion and come and work for this company. So what was that? How did that all play out? Quite the curveball, I'd say. Yeah, it really was. I mean, he showed up the first day and we had these little rolly carts and it was like little hanging files and I rolled it in and I was like, okay, you're HR. I mean... <laughs> It's like, I don't know the first thing about HR. And then it was like, oh, by the way, my printer's broken. And oh, you know, and he just kind of got, for lack of a better term, just dumped on of like, here you go. Mm -hmm. You know, we look back and that was, it was a really turning point of us trying to figure out like this whole balance of work, life, family, business ownership, partners, spouses, And he really sacrificed what his dream was for a long time. And Mm -hmm. now he's selling commercial real estate and doing his own thing. So that's awesome. Still the CFO on paper, but we have people in place now. And honestly, I was able to go back in 2012. I um, transitioned out of the daily operations and went back and got my doctorate degree in leadership because that was something I'd always wanted to do is to go back in and get my doctorate. That's amazing and so inspiring because so many people have that dream on their heart and it's never too late to go after something that maybe spoke to you when you were a kid. And leadership is one of my favorite topics and I want to go there with you. But first, I want to go back to when you had your pulmonary embolism. Mm -hmm. Was that a, I'm assuming you didn't see that coming. No. So what was, what happened? So I'd had surgery the week before. And I was lying in bed and I just couldn't breathe. And I just felt like I had this sharp knife in my side and I just kept trying to breathe. And finally I called my husband and I was like, you might want to come home. And actually I had him come home because the dog had been let out. He would not stop barking. And I was like, come and get the dog. I might be dying, but come and get the dog. (laughs) And he came home and let the dog in. And I swear that dog saved my life because at that point he was like, yeah, we might need to go to the hospital. 
and they got wow. me right in and come to find out I'd had a pulmonary embolism. So you had had a stroke. Well, not then. So that wasn't the stroke. That wasn't the stroke. That was a blood clot in my lungs. Oh, heavens. Five. And then in 2012 was when I had a stroke. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been through the ringer when it I'm comes. I'm a cat with nine lives. I know. I mean, it's like, you better be. You're doing a lot of amazing stuff out there. <laughs> we need you around. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I always say I'm living life on 20% because people... When they have PEs, they typically die, 30% die before they get to the hospital. So when I left, I thought, well, I guess if you take 100 and you subtract 30, then you're left with 70. And I'm an overachiever, but that's passing, so I guess I'll take it. And then when I had the stroke, I had a stroke in two places and had a seven-hour brain surgery. Oh, my gosh. They told me that... 50% of the people that have the stroke that I did don't make it out of surgery. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, crap, you take 70% and then you take 50 away from it. I'm living life on 20%. My my son says stats don't work that way, but I say, if you've been through what I have, they work whatever way you want them to. Yeah, exactly. You get to redefine it. That's right. So was there a recovery period with that stroke? So... The stroke happened in August of that year was when I started my doctoral program. So I was 37. So it was September 18th of 2012 was when I had the stroke. And I took that semester off from my studies and I had to withdraw. And at that point, I didn't know if I was going to get to go back. And I had all these dreams and things I wanted to do. And that doubt started setting in and depression and like, oh my gosh, this has totally side railed me for what I wanted to do. And I had a friend call me who I'd been in school with and he was like, Courtney, get your ass back to class. You're fine. (laughs) And he he totally believed in me. And so I re-enrolled in January. And so I only took four months off and finished in 2015. Oh my gosh. So I finished before he did. <laughs> I bet you rubbed that in his face. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So since you risked life and limb to get this doctorate, let's talk about leadership. Okay. I feel like this is a missing link for so many people that are sitting on the fence as to whether they're going to really go after their dream, whether they're, they haven't gotten out of the starting gate yet, or they are this side hustle is going to stay a side hustle for the next 20 years because they can't just take it to the next level and take the risks or take the leap. But I feel like leadership bridges that gap. Like when you learn how to lead yourself, you can lead your business, you can lead other people. What role do you think it plays in entrepreneurship? It's interesting because when I did my research, it was on women specifically. And I looked at the gender gap and I've realized that the workforce is about 50% female in America and mid-level management is about 50% women. But at the top levels of leadership in healthcare, it's only 11% of CEOs are women. And in the S&P 500, less than 5% of CEOs in the S&P 500 are women. And that pissed me off. And every time you get pissed off, you do something incredible. 
I did. Well, I do something about it, but thank you. <laughs> so I was like, you know, what is it that's keeping these women from gaining gender parity at the top levels? And so my question, my research question was, what are the obstacles and challenges that women face when climbing the corporate ladder? And there were four main obstacles that my research found, and they were family obligations. I mean, juggling a family and juggling a career is hard. The second one was limited advancement opportunities. The third was gender-based discrimination. Now, I really went into my research thinking that it was going to be the good old boys club, and I call them Bubba's. (laughs) Bubba's are going to be holding us back because they're too busy laughing at their own jokes and rubbing their bellies. And there are still instances of that, but really combined with the fact that stereotypes and when women act like leaders, they're often termed the not so coveted title of being a bitch. Mm -hmm. And so that along with Bubba's, but more often than not, women talked about other women holding them back on their journeys. I believe that. Yeah. And I started thinking about my own path. And other than the fact that I had the consultant tell me no three times, but then helped me, you know, who were the people that really held me back on my journey? And they were all women. Why do you think that is? The fourth challenge was how many women lacked confidence. Hmm. At the CEO level, 50% of the women that I talked to lacked confidence and talked to me, a complete stranger, about how they didn't believe in themselves in one aspect or another and talked about imposter syndrome. Then when I looked at that research outside of the healthcare industry and talked to women at all different levels and at all different industries, that number rose to 80%. Wow. And I look and I'm like, you know, we're socialized to constantly be looking outwardly instead of inwardly. Who's the prettiest? Who's the tallest? Who's the thinnest? How, you know, you need this face product. You need this hair care product. You need these Spanx. And while I am a total big fan of Spanx, <laughs> you don't need them to be enough. Right. You're enough just as you are. And so, I started looking at what is it that I can do to help the next level of leadership live into their full potential? Because I also found research that found that we are more than a hundred years away from gender equality at the C level. And that pisses you off. (laughs) I saw it coming. Because I have two daughters. They're 15, almost 16. And 11. And I thought, you know, if I want to impact their generation, who do I need to touch right now to bridge that gap? And it's the millennials. And so now I help female millennial entrepreneurs start and scale their own service based businesses and turn those side hustles. I have a program called From Side Hustle to CEO, and it's to help them be the CEOs today. And screw a hundred years. Yeah, exactly. Nobody's got time to be a CEO when they're 115 years old. (laughs) I know, exactly. Nobody wants to. You want to be retired by then. Right, exactly. So let's talk about that then, kind of from that, the concept of some of the content you put into your course. 
we have some people definitely listening in today who are in that spot. What are some of the action steps that they need to be taking today to start that process of aiming towards and then soon embracing CEO for them and going in all in on this thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is step by step by step. It is how to file your LLC, how to get your business name, how to market, how to sell, you name it. We, I have this take on, I don't know if you've ever heard of SMART goals. Yep. Yeah. People talk about SMART goals and then women sit back and wonder if their goals are smart enough. And so I have my own take on it. It's called damn goals. So we make some damn goals. I love it. It's an acronym. It stands for detailed, achievable, measurable metrics. And it's, what do you say you're going to do? Did you do it in the time frame you said you're going to? So a huge part of it is accountability. So I have a course that's coming out in September. And then from there, it's a membership site after that. I love that. And if someone has, let's say they have something up and running already. So they have, you know, the LLC, the name, all that kind of uh, foundational stuff, but they're just operating at, I don't know, they're operating as though they're going to run a side hustle forever. Like what is it that they can start to do more of today that will start to help them make that jump? I know, you know, it is step by step. And I think people are disillusioned often into thinking like, I just have to do this one thing and I'm going to go viral and I'm going to make all this money and I'm going to be able to do it full time. No, it's all the little things that compound over time. But what might be missing for them right now or what's something that they can take action on today that will help that process? I think it's a mindset shift. It's the fact that, you know, when you hit a home run, you still have to go touch first base, second base, third base, and go back home. Even though you started at home, all these entrepreneurs that I see now, they're afraid of putting in the hard work and going to touch first base, second base, and third base. Just get a single and let's celebrate your singles and then get a double, go to second, and let's celebrate that. But to have this concept or this idea that it's going to be an overnight success, first of all, I'm here to tell you, if it was an overnight success, you wouldn't appreciate it. Yes. And secondly, you wouldn't, it, it wouldn't mean anything. It'd be fleeting. It would go as quickly as it, it came. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I tell people all the time, they'll sit there and they won't even swing to stick with your analogy because they want the perfect ball. Like they want the grand slam. It's like, can you get on base? Mm -hmm. Stop trying to skip all of these steps and do the perfect thing. You just have to do something and start the process because I've found that for me and so many of the people that I mentor and coach through, through this exact thing is yeah, you're going to strike out. You're going to have all these failures and all these mistakes. They ultimately will keep you in motion and will lead you to where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So stop feeling like you have to do it perfectly. You just have to do it. And what you can take from that and glean from that is going to be just as valuable to you as all of the incredible things that are going to happen from you being in motion and picking up momentum. Absolutely. You think back to the iPhone 3. They didn't wait to have the iPhone 10 or X or whatever you want to call it. 
they launched at three and pivoted and pivoted and made made changes and tweaked and changed and tweaked till today we have a 10 in a few years we're going to look back and go the 10 that was a joke now we have whatever but it's like it's constant momentum based on the fact that it it started somewhere mm-hmm. and it's okay to pivot the pivot is where you learn yes absolutely there's so much value in that so you have seen a lot done a lot helped a lot of people who at this point in your journey really inspires you or motivates you or do you go to for guidance today I love, and I know she's super popular right now and hot, but Brene Brown. I knew you were going to say it. I'm with you. I I love her. She's a Texan, so I got to love her on that note. But she's also, you know, just brought about the fact that you can be you without the polished spanks and hairdo, you know, that you can just be authentic and show up and that's enough. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, I hope that I live that every day. I mean, I'm still a Texan and I love my hairspray and makeup, but I show up every day and it may not be right, but it's just showing up that makes all the difference. You know, fear has been our excuse, especially as women, to play small. And we're doing the world a disservice. Absolutely. And our kids and mm-hmm. our legacy. Yeah. I mean, when I was starting my doctoral work and I was in orientation in August of 2012, we had to write our 80th birthday toast. And it was a chance to reflect on who we were previously, who we were at that point in time, and who we wanted to be. And I realized in that moment, I wasn't living as the person that I wanted to be known for. If I was at my 80th birthday party, that moment, I don't think I would like what people had to say about me. And so I started changing and I wrote four adjectives on this note card and it was inspiring and motivating and connected and loving. And I put those on my bathroom and every day I would look at them and I would see those and I would say, who are you going to show up to be today? And a month after I wrote that 80th birthday toast, I had a stroke and my husband was in the hospital signing DNR paperwork while I was undergoing my brain surgery. (sighs) And I almost didn't have the opportunity to live in and be the person that I wanted to be remembered for. And I was given a third chance now. And so every day I'm committed to making sure that I'm living the legacy that I want to be remembered for. And that's what I would leave your listeners with. Like, are you living as the person that you want to be remembered for? Mm, I have goosebumps. And we were kind of talking about this when we were chatting before the show. Not that stroke or anything like that catastrophic is a blessing, but in some ways it is. Like some of us never get shaken up enough. And then that 80th birthday party does come and we say, oh man, my my back was never against the wall. I was never forced to look that in the eye, the legacy I'm leaving behind. And now it's here and I missed my shot. 
but I call it an opportunity, second chance, third chance to do it right. Look where it got you. And I think so often people hit those hardships in their life and they just say, why me? Or they say, oh, here we go. Another thing like, well, why not look at it and say, okay, how can I pivot here? And how can I go for what I'm really destined to become? And you've obviously done that beautifully. So thanks for sharing that story with us. Thank you. So to wrap us up, can you tell us just, I like to ask all the people I interview because I feel like we get so much value. Resources. When you are looking to learn about leadership, whether it's books, podcasts, seminars you've been to, people that you follow, where are some good places our listeners can turn for some great resources on either leadership or business growth or things that you like to tap into yourself? Well, for podcasts, obviously yours. (laughs) Thank you. I also host a podcast called Women in Business, and it's inspirational stories of women entrepreneurs. And then my book, Unlimited Conquering the Myth of the Glass Ceiling, talks about women's leadership specifically in the research that I have conducted. And you know, it really depends on what kind of space you're in. I think that the the fact that we have so many opportunities and abilities to learn today, you have the world at your fingertips. You can find anything you want in a matter of seconds. So don't let the lack of knowledge keep you from fulfilling your dreams. Yes. Amen to that. Too much available to us now. There's no more excuse. So where can our listeners come find you? Because I know that they will want to. So my name is spelled C-O-R-T-N-E-Y. So Courtney, and you can email me, Courtney at CourtneyBaker.com. My website is CourtneyBaker.com. And if you want to get the 10 secrets female millennial entrepreneurs must know before starting their service-based business, you can go to drcourtneybaker.com forward slash 10 secrets. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. I know our listeners are just going to fall in love with you and your story is so powerful. And the work you're doing in the world is incredible. Everything from kids care to, you know, the stuff you're doing with millennials and giving us that light in leadership and business. It's amazing. So thank you for everything you're doing, but then especially for being so gracious with your time to come on and share it with us. Thanks for having me. I've loved it. My pleasure. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Before you go, make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on all of those amazing fromies, freebies for my homies, obviously, and content that we're creating just for you. And if you like today's episode, can you help us out and help us get this in the hands of more people by taking a screenshot of today's episode and sharing it with your friends, tagging me, passing it around on social media. Guys, we've got to get this mission and this movement out there to more people so that they are living their purpose and living out their dreams and getting paid for it well too. I'm also so thankful for all the amazing feedback we've been getting in the reviews. So if this podcast is helping you grow, Take a second and go review us on iTunes and be sure to check out today's show notes for more details and takeaways from the show. Until next week, guys, keep scaling up.